0: This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. In a world that's forever stressed and anxious, can adults benefit from reading children's books? How can young people, especially women, deal with anxiety and psychological stress and vulnerabilities? Hello and welcome to a breezy, yet deep episode of voice of achievers with me yashika we continue with our wonder women series and we are discussing stage fright adults going back to children's books and women and people dealing with vulnerabilities and anxiety our guest today is yamini vijayan a writer and editor based in bangalore she's worked as a senior editor with pratham books a children's book publishing house and has also set up children's libraries around the country. She's consulting as an editor and also working on school library projects. She's the author of children's books like Stage Fright and Your Body is Yours. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome. Hi, Ashika. Thanks for having me. You sort of break down Stage Fright into its basic parts and stage fright in general, it's something that most people at some point in time have faced. Tell us and
1: deconstruct sort of the stage fright part for us. I don't know if I can deconstruct uh, stage fright for you because perform, I mean, you know, it's just the fear of kind of like many sets of eyes on you. Yeah, uh, It's the fear of um, having to be performative and fear of perception, you know. Um I mean, you know, you're, you're just kind of very self conscious, right? Mm, yeah. And one of the reasons I wrote about it is because I faced it. I think I remember when I was in college and I was part of um, the Western music group in college. And I remember doing this, singing this song. And I even remember which one it was. It was Queen's Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy. Mm. And I remember my voice just didn't come in that moment you know yeah yeah and there were i think there were about two of us doing base or three of us or something like that and i remember feeling my instinct right after was you know what i think i'm just going to get out of this mm. i don't want to put myself through this again yeah and of course you know as you grow older you know when your work situation you have to kind of present you have to go to conferences and and i would do anything i can to kind of skip it
0: see the thing is most of us do that the thing of not speaking, oh, is uh, is my point good enough? Do I really need to make that point? Do I make that point in front of like 10 people? These are yeah, challenges yeah.
1: even in the virtual world. Yeah, completely. And I think for me, as someone who is more comfortable writing words, like I feel like my responses are much more considered when I have the time to write it. I wanted to write a book that's coming from an honest place, uh, which is why I decided to write on stage fright. And uh, of course, I went and looked at like, you know, universally, what are the, what's the best kind of advice that you have for stage fright and Mm. things like that. And I looked at a bunch of that. And then I thought about, you know, out of all those, what has worked for me Mm. and what might work for a child? You know, for me, like friendship is like a, like the role of a friend is like something that I take very seriously. And that's a huge part of who I am and my identity. Uh, So for me, the most organic uh, solution was the one of, you know, someone in the audience kind of rooting for you. Mm. Um, Which is why in my book, you know, finally where this girl, she really wants to sing, but she's unable to sing because she has stage fright. Mm. Uh, And I kind of wanted to even make it seem like even her parents didn't really know that she had stage fright, mm. you know, and she kind of confides in a friend and she says, and he says, you know, all you've got to do is practice. And, um, and even, you know, and when she's finally performing in, in, in the book, it's very daunting for her and she's overwhelmed when there's like, you know, there, there are lights and she's on stage and you feel like it's me. And there's like the rest of the world, you know, so many eyes on you. Mm. And then she kind of sees her friend, uh, you know, in the audience, just kind of rooting for her. And that is comforting for her.
0: Staying motivated on a day-to-day basis. Tell us, uh, what is it? Is it intrinsic? Is it extrinsic? How do you continue? And how do you come about as a, from a journalist to a, to an author
1: to, you know, setting up libraries? What's your story? Which was working in, you know, kind of promoting reading for joy, reading for pleasure, setting up libraries. So I spent a kind of, I spent a few years working with hippocampus Campus in the school library space. And then after that, so I would say in, in that sense, it, it was a fairly natural trajectory trajectory for me, except that these are not really options in India. Like I can't imagine, you know, when I was, when I finished the, you know, my 12th, that I would have thought, oh, this is the kind of thing that I want to do, because I don't think those options were even, it didn't even occur to me that there are such options, right? Uh, that's so true, um, because
0: I mean, you know, uh, come to think of it,
1: do you think that we end up
0: uh, boxing certain careers in terms of socioeconomic status. You know, you're setting up libraries, you're skimming through so many books, there's so much research involved
1: in really... Uh... Yeah, completely. But I think it's also that, you know, there is a certain privilege that comes for me from being able to do something like this. Hmm. Um, you know, if I had to support uh, my parents, if I had to support children you know, then I think it would be quite a different one, because it is not a very well paid sector. Mm. Um, You know, and I think even within this space, uh, if I, I'm not a formally trained librarian. So I think even sometimes, nobody understands what I do, because, you know, I'm just like, I set up libraries, but I'm not a librarian, Mm -hmm. you know, so it, It's very niche. And there are, uh, you know, so I've kind of attached myself at various points to organizations that work with libraries, that work with literacy. If somebody asks me what I do today, I don't really know what to say. You know, I say I write, I edit, I set up libraries. Mm. You know, I've been fortunate to meet the right people, to have like mentors along the way, to see other people who have worked in the similar space. and um, so I think if I had to, I mean, financially, it's not something that's entirely stable. And I think it is because I come from uh, a fairly privileged background that I'm, you know, able to do this in in yeah. in some sense. I think in India, most people just kind of uh, wing it when it comes to all this. Yeah, right? yeah like yeah. We're, we're learning things on the on the go. Right. So I think you know it just uh, so people will always give you advice on what you should do what they think you should do what you're fit for but I think you have to just kind of continue to uh, figure out what you want I think to. you're always figuring it out yeah yeah I mean I think I could be um, you know in my 50s and 60s and I'd still be like I don't know what I want to do at this point in my life you know one of the things that I actually love
0: is uh, your social media handles and you sharing those lovely lovely images from those books that you And for some reason, the essence and the qualities that you pick out from those uh, books, the children's books, actually are universal. I mean, I think adults can benefit. That's something that I think that you are also sort of propagating. So tell us how can adults actually
1: benefit from reading children's books? My understanding of children's books, begins with picture books and ends with picture books yeah. so I I don't really read the chapter books of course these are being written by adults right mm. I mean um, these are written by adults drawn by adults and I think you know if you are exploring say something like whether it's you know stage fright or whether it's gender or um, emotions like you know sadness anger shame guilt things like that um, I think it's adults taking all their experiences and trying to see how do I distill it into, you know, 16 pages. Yeah. Uh, And using sometimes 500 words, right? You're trying to tell children, um, you know, this is what you might experience and you're not alone in what you're feeling, And also trying to somewhere kind of end with some amount of hope and kind of offer a solution Mm -hmm. through a story very often, right? Mm. Um, So I think how other adults might benefit from reading children's books and picture books is because these are finally being written by other adults who are thinking about this, contemplating about. I mean, the more I started kind of looking at children's books, the more I realized that there's so much wisdom that's there in picture books. Uh, One of my favorite picture books, but it's a book called Leo, the late bloomer about uh, this tiger kind of not growling, (laughs) you know, not not like making and not making all the right noises at the right time. And the parents are so anxious, like, when will Leo finally like make some noise like Leo's just quiet all the time, you know, like, I think especially in the last 10 years, there have been books about you know gender and identity about just I mean there's another book called Wild which I love which is about a child who's kind of really wild and people trying to tame her and at the end of it you know she she's most comfortable in her wild state okay um you know so I think um whether it's sadness whether it's anger I think what all these books are trying to do is to kind of one, say that it is completely normal for you to feel these emotions mm. and um, and then say, you know, sometimes giving some kind of solution or some sort of hope. There's this other book that I really love called Ruby's Worry by Tom Percival. In fact, I mean, I, I would really love to kind of give you a list of these. I was just you know, going to, you know, and- I was like, okay, she's come to the recommendations part. Let
0: me just ask her, what do you think are, you know, some of the books that you've read, uh, children's books, picture books, that you feel young people can associate with because uh, essentially we're talking about themes that are universal and themes that are commonplace, now anxiety, stress, shame, guilt, these are things that are, that young people face on a daily basis,
1: especially as they go through this quarter life crisis. I do not kept all these books to kind of show you. Can I just bring them here? Yeah, please. I mean, I'll just kind of show it to you. But um, well, there's this uh, one that I love called Ruby's Worry, mm-hmm. um, which is by Tom Percival, and it's you know it's it's got these like lovely visuals of this how this small kind of uh, little bit of you know tiny worry kind of just grows, grows, and is always with her and so, you know, the the at a certain point it's it's like this, you know, the illustrations are done black and white. And there's like this, it says like each day it got bigger, you know, and this worries kind of constantly with her, like when she's eating cereal in school, you know, like it's it's like she doesn't know, you know, when she's playing. Mm. Uh, the worry was always there, stopping her from doing the things that she loved. It It is such a great way to... And there's this one particular one that I love so much where she's in watching a movie and the worry has just kind of gotten so big mm-hmm. that the worry is starting to kind of uh, stifle her. And uh, the, the line there says, The worry became the only thing that Ruby could think about and it seemed like she would never feel happy again. Ruby's Worry by Tom Percival. Then there's this other book called When Sadness Comes to Call... Um, which is this one Eva Iland I think Eland, I don't know how to pronounce her name but um, this one is also really beautiful and you know it kind of begins like this where it says sometimes sadness arrives unexpectedly and there's like sadness <laughs> with a little Lovely. suitcase <laughs> yeah. you know and and you know and sits so close to you you can hardly breathe And this one about sadness is kind of saying that, you know, uh, instead of blocking sadness out, the thing that you should do is, um, it says, try not to be afraid of sadness, give it a name, listen to it, ask where it comes from and what it needs. So, in a sense, it's more sort of, um, if you don't understand each other, just sit together and be quiet for a while. Lovely. You know? Uh, And they just kind of sitting there and drawing something together. So there, I think, you know, like our impulse to shut out sadness and this whole thing of, you know, when you're feeling sad, you know, don't feel sad, like just kind of do something and move on that kind of mentality that we have, right? Uh, To kind of dismiss our own feelings and Mm. just kind of to ignore our sadness and move on. So I think... I think for me, it's just so comforting to hear another adult in some way, it's actually reassuring for me to hear that this is one way to look at sadness. Yes. Um, You know, to not block it out and to not kind of like distract yourself, but just to sort of accept it and to sit with your sadness. So in Ruby's Bari, the resolution is something along the lines of you know, she meets this other kid who also has a worry, Okay. and um, she finally kind of talks to the other kid. So I think the 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 takeaway there is: as you feel a bit a little lighter when you meet other people, you can speak to. And then this other book that I kind of practically buy every other person all the time is this book called *The Rabbit Listened* uh, by uh, Corey Dorf Dorfeld. It's this one, *The Rabbit Listened*. Okay. And this is actually something that I use a lot, even in, you know, trainings and readings and things like that, because I feel like adults would identify so much with it, mm-hmm. uh, because it's about this child who kind of builds something and this crow comes and just kind of knocks the whole thing over. And uh, this child who is actually in the book, the gender isn't mentioned, which is why I'm saying the child, the child. Okay. Um, it's, it's kind of like a gender neutral book. Lovely. And, um, you know, different animals kind of come and, you know, one animal will say, you must be so angry, you know, you just need to kind of shout and another animal comes and says, you know, like, you need to kind of take revenge, you know, maybe you can go and crash something off the crows, you know. So different people kind of come and say, like, give different kinds of advice and throughout this child is just kind of being quiet. Mm. Uh, And the animals come and the animals go after giving advice. And finally, this rabbit comes. And as is obvious from the title, the the rabbit just kind of sits next to the child for a little, Mm. you know, just kind of the child uh, and just kind of quietly sits. And then the child slowly starts opening up about what happened and how she or he felt. The essence of it is when you're going through a difficult emotion or a situation sometimes you don't need advice and you really just need someone Lovely. to listen to you yeah uh, which is i think what something i think all all of us kind of you know want that and sometimes we get so much advice and that's really not what we're looking for <laughs> you know so um it's such a great kind of way to actually look at it because i think you know we're all like so liberal with giving advice to people yeah. without sometimes Uh, just sort of you know being there and just listening to that and and I'm very much guilty of doing the same thing myself Mm. but sometimes just kind of Uh, I think what people want is just acceptance, right? I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. I'm in a terrible situation, but I kind of know what I want to do. Mm. And I just want someone to kind of validate my feelings and be like, I understand. This is what you're going through. You know, there are books like this that where someone has put so much thought into what what empathy means in so many different ways, right? Mm. Um, And what it means just to have someone to kind of speak to and things like that. So I think, So I think in some sense, I find, even though I'm an adult, and I have so many of these books, I don't even have children. I just find these books very, very comforting, because I understand that this is some adult who has, who thinks this particular way. I think especially on social media, right, which is, it is a very performative space. And it is a very, uh, it is a space where you're kind of recording all the good moments from your life and you know all the all the sad days and the dark days that's not something that you put out there so I think sometimes I mean I find great comfort in other people kind of saying things about going through a rough patch or um, you needing a bit of slowness uh, and things like that so I think Mm. so for me you know it is I really love talking about these things openly because I feel like there are others out there who who are like me, you know. Um, So I guess that's that's kind of why I do that. Talking of, you know, you being vocal about things and you opening up there's something
0: that I really loved is how you ended up being vocal about your vulnerabilities, your anxiety as well. And uh, that's something you felt amidst a work meeting. Would you want to tell us about it? Because now you've braved that period.
1: It was thankfully a very informal work meeting. It was just an editorial meeting. You know, we're all friends as well, so it wasn't. But I think uh, I was talking about some some book. I think some idea. You know, I, it was an editorial meeting, and then suddenly I felt that one. I just my mind was just blank, and and then I kind of continued talking, even though I really, you know, I, I for a, for a few seconds I just didn't know what what I was even talking about. Right. And uh, then my chest started kind of pounding and um, my mouth went dry and I suddenly really needed to pee, Mm. Uh, you know, and I went to the loo and then I came back and then I realized that I was going through a lot of these uh, sensations again. And then I excused myself and I was actually in a bookstore, a children's bookstore And I knew the person who owned it is also a friend of ours. So I kind of went into another room where she was sitting and I don't know what came over me, but I just started sobbing Um, and I couldn't breathe. And I, I, I just felt like, you know, I just felt like I constantly needed to go to the loo and to pee Mm. and I just couldn't understand any of what was going on. And thankfully, um, a, a, a colleague of mine called Bijal Vacharajani, who's also uh, an editor, she kind of recognized that it was a panic attack. And uh, she said, I think you're having a panic attack. Mm. Uh, and uh, I had just quit work around that time. And, you know, I'd had some things on the personal front as well. And so uh, she kind of, she was there to sort of guide me through it. Uh, but even the next week at office, I had a similar, you know, I had a similar episode. And then I quit work at around that time. But in the weeks after, the same thing just kept happening to me. You know, I I developed a pain somewhere near my vagina, and uh, I couldn't breathe. Then I had like this constantly restless feeling and I knew I knew about anxiety in the abstract you know um I knew what it was and things like that but because I had this uh pain and this odd sensation in my vagina um I just couldn't believe it's anxiety I was like this has to be something else who would
0: really think that anxiety can manifest itself in your vagina
1: yeah and I think because um it is in the vagina, there's also like this sense of shame. I mean, you can't talk to anyone. It's, it's not a word that you use in regular conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I you agree know. with you. think so. I was just, I think I, I went through many weeks of just being baffled by what I was going through. Mm. You know, I kept going back to the gynecologist. And then uh, finally, you know, I, I went to um, a psychiatrist and Uh, the psychiatrist said that, you know, you need to start therapy. And I think it took me like many sittings with the psychiatrist and with the therapist to understand that anxiety manifests in very different ways. And my husband kind of kept reading about this online because, you know, I was constantly having meltdowns. And then he found a couple of accounts where uh, he saw that people were saying similar things. So that Uh, for me kind of helped me a little and I eventually ended up writing an article for the News Minute Hmm. it's out in the open and I just feel better about it it took many many months honestly it took me I I practically did like one year without work because it took so much work for me to understand what I was going through Uh, you know I was restless all the time I had issues with sleep um I had this constant discomfort so I was disconnecting myself from people you know I I wouldn't want to go out even if I went for a walk I'm like oh what if this pain comes what if I have to go to the bathroom mm. um so it, it it took a long time for me you know I I really I was slightly kind of you know disconnecting myself from friends and things like that but you know I had a small uh, I mean I have a very supportive husband and a sister and I eventually ended up telling my parents <laughs> at the time were, were really not kind of understanding what I was going through either but I was True. like I, I no longer want to hide anything about you know uh, what I'm going through right. because it's hard to kind of suddenly tell people that you know I have this eventually got on medication which really helped I think that is what made me realize oh well it is anxiety mm-hmm. because the medication was working um, you know and then the surprising thing was after I wrote the News Minute article I had a tonne of people writing to me. That they could relate to you? Yeah, that, you know, my mother experienced something like this. I think uh, most people don't, I mean, I don't think people realize sometimes that this is anxiety. Hmm. Um, Because the physical manifestations, even when I was looking for it, like, this is not something that really came up. I think I've learned that this is not something that just goes away. Hmm. Uh, It is something that you have to kind of continue Um, wrestling with, it is something that you kind of have to continue understanding, making time for prioritizing. What did it take for you to brave that? And what are the things that
0: people can do if they may be feeling remotely like that to sort of get over it?
1: It is without hope that I say this, but I think it is honestly very difficult for a lot of people to pay attention to what they're feeling and things like that because their lives are so busy i think the only thing i realized is that um you know you have to make you have to carve out some time for yourself um and and not brush away your feelings all the time hmm. um I think just be more kind of like accepting about how you are, because I think like, I know that this is still hard for a lot of people, right? Mm. I mean, uh, it's not easy for people to take six months off. Right. Um, But I think it is important to um, be honest with your feelings. I think, Uh, you know, if you're feeling low, if you're feeling, if you're going through a dark period, then, you know, talk to someone about it. Don't be hard on yourself when you're feeling that way, hmm. you know. And I think the hardest thing for me was people with well, like good intentions telling me what might help. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of situation, right? You it's still, you, I think, you. you know, I think what you need is that rabbit. Exactly. Sometimes you just need, you know, you just need people to just listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, I got so much advice from people like, you know, from meditate to do yoga the, the difficult thing is actually shutting out all the advice it is all it is all good advice and it is all very you know very well-intentioned intentioned advice uh, but the trouble is that I think it it makes it harder for you to listen to your own voice mm. um, you know and to figure out what is working for you you know I realized at one point that uh, now I meditate and it, it's helping me but at a certain point. Meditation was actually making me feel worse. So I think you really have to kind of pay closer attention to what is working for you, and um, and really trust your own instincts on on what is working for you. I mean, I I've really had it with like toxic positivity. You know, uh, for me, this kind of like excessive cheer doesn't work. Mm. And I think the, the social media makes it way worse because you're in, in a few seconds, you're seeing this person has traveled to the mountains and this person has eaten like this, you know, sourdough and this person is baking and this person is learning a new language. And I really think there needs to be like a little bit more space for sad feelings and for dark feelings and, um, you know, for people to feel bad and then and just not have to get over it immediately what I understand is that
0: one, the awareness, two, uh, the fact that you want to take that time off and the consciousness of being with yourself, being consciously aware that you're going to be using this time
1: to sort of be with yourself and figure it out yourself. Yeah, figure it out. And I think like, you know, for me, one of the things, Again, that for me, and I'm not saying it'll work for everyone because it's just not like a universal thing, but for me, I realized that um reading really helped yeah. uh, reading was, was is like a meditative thing for me, and that could be because I've read all my life. For me, walking was uh, a great way to kind of um deal with the physical restlessness restlessness that I feel. You know, and to know that this is, this is not it for you, that you will kind of get past it.
0: Yes, and and uh, then then I see that uh, you know you also find your your uh, your channel. In your case, it's it was books and reading, and in someone yeah. else's case, it could be
1: anything. You just find your channel and be with it for a while. Yeah, yeah, and you have to. I think you have to. Uh, I mean, I found that I was sort of um, gravitating towards the friends of mine who who are more accepting how, how of how I was. Hmm. You know, at that point. Uh, so I think, you know, I I I think, I mean, that kind of I think both my therapist and my psychiatrist kind of continuously told me that you need to feel connected to other people. And as hard as it is at that point, I think you will find a handful of friends, you know, or family or I mean, whatever works for you. I think that kind of helps because I think you need to feel that kind of acceptance when you're going through something so difficult.
0: And what, what are the books that is, if you can, you know, for someone who might be listening to this and might have or might be going through the same feeling in terms of anxiety, vulnerabilities, self-doubt, what are the two books that you found comfort in that you recommend?
1: You know, actually, it's not anything to do with anxiety. I think this, the the books that I read were, read, reading, were reading were all fiction, <laughs> because in that moment, I just want to immerse myself in something else. Okay. Um. So I think Charlie Mac- Mc The Boy, the Mole. Oh, the boy and the mole. The oh, love, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The boy, the mole, the and fox, the wolf and the horse. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The fox, something and the like that. And now, you know, it's become. It's almost become like. It's become an overkill because I know that at certain points, I I found that comforting, um, you know. And I think for me, the other thing that really helped, like I was saying, was podcasts yeah. um, like that. And there's something very comforting about voices, you know, just hearing someone's voice when you're washing dishes in the kitchen and things like that. Tell us what mm-hmm.
0: achievement means to you, Yamni.
1: This is a hard one because I'm not a very achievement-focused person in general but I think um what's your perception of achievement then I think it has changed I think with every passing year I think of it very differently and at different phases in my life I've kind of uh, I think on some days I I kind of think of it as so long as I don't regress it's okay you know so I kind of try and make like daily progress so I think it just for me it just means doing something in the day that's that that you kind of find joy in and pleasure in and things like that and that's enough <laughs> you know for that that day that's enough
0: lovely <laughs> uh thank you so much for being
1: <laughs> honest with us
0: about what you felt uh, what you found comfort in i can just say more
1: power more joy and more comfort to you thank you yashik i mean so i'm i'm very happy to have been on on your podcast
0: Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback in the comment section. Do rate us on Apple Podcasts if you like the episode. Subscribe or hit follow Voice of Achievers on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Spotify, GeoSavan, Ghana, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Send us an email on editor. At voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover. Don't forget to tune in next week again. Voice of Achievers on Epilogue Media.